It makes me want to sing that old spiritual. I've got peace like a river. You know, when you battle in silences, you can really go low, right? <laughs> I've got peace like a river. But anyway, I'm not going to sing that for you because I love you and I'm going to be a person of grace to you. But yeah, I mean, there's so many things we ought to be thankful for. And one of the things we ought to be thankful for is peace. I wonder, have you come to a point in your life, and maybe for some of our younger folks, you haven't, but there'll be a, a point where you've come to at least this particular place in your life where you would agree with the statement I'm about to make. That, that you come to this place in your relationship with the Lord and just with, with life experiences that might be turbulent, that might be confusing, you know, experiences in life that just might just be downright unmanageable and you're wondering how in the world can I get through this and in the midst of all of that chaos which a lot of it can be described even as this year, right? That in the midst of all of that mess, God gives us peace. And since we serve a God that loves us, yeah, he wants to give us peace. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. But there's a particular person in history that really understood that quite well. And his name was Alexander Smith. And I know you're thinking, Alexander Smith, which Alexander Smith are you talking about? Because Smith is a pretty popular name, right? But anyway, let me just tell you the story about Alexander Smith because he really understood. He discovered firsthand throughout all the mess and misery and things he went through that God gave him and those that he loved great peace. He was a sailor on a ship that you would know of. In fact, it's a British ship called the HMS what? Bounty, the HMS Bounty. So let's all think back about the HMS Bounty, if you will. In fact, you probably know about this ship because this is what it looks like here. Uh, in just a minute, there, it'll come. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so anyway, I've got to transition my slides. My slides are, it's my fault. They're, they just don't go as fast as I want on my computer. But anyway, you know the story of the HMS Bounty, do you not? And um, it's an it's a interesting story. In fact, it's such an interesting story, it was made into a movie. But Alexander Smith was a sailor on that particular ship. It's the most famous mutiny in all of history. Captain William Bly was the captain of that ship. And he was mutiny, and he was overthrown. And he and those that supported him were put, on a, were put on a raft, and I guess that was their version of a raft. It's not what I think of. I'm not thinking of a raft, right? But they were put on this lifeboat. They were put on a raft, and they just set sail in the South Pacific. I mean, they were mutiny. They were kicked off the ship. Now, there's a number of people that, depending on what side of history you fall, you got arguments on both sides. Some say that Captain Bly is to blame for the mutiny. But some say that Captain Bly was just too strict, if you will, too even cruel to his sailors. And then some people blame the leader of this mutinous group of people. And his name was Fletcher Christian, Christian of all people, Fletcher Christian. But whoever was to blame and what side of the fence people happened to take upon, those mutineers threw Bly and they threw those that supported him off on that raft and then they were gone. And then when Fletcher Christian and those that supported him had the ship, guess what they did? They do a lot of what Christians do in churches. They had to say, well, what do we do now? And they begin to fight and stuff like that, fighting about stuff that probably didn't make a whole lot of sense. But, but they begin to fight among themselves. Well, hey, we got the ship. What are we going to do now? So here's what they decided to do after they had a lot of discussion and they were a lot of, you know, their discussions were kind of vivid, I can imagine. But they decided now that we've got the ship, let's sail to Tahiti. Sounds pretty good, right? We leave at four o'clock today. I'm joking, I'm just seeing if y'all are awake. But yeah, so they set sail to Tahiti. And when Fletcher Christian and those that supported him were on the HMS Bounty, when they got to Tahiti, uh, they, they kidnapped some women, they got slaves, 
They got some other supplies, and then they set sail for a thousand miles away from Tahiti to a little island in the Pacific, South Pacific, called the Pitcairn Islands. And things went from bad to worse. One of the things that Fletcher Christian and those that were with him discovered how to do on Pitcairn Island is to dis- is to distill whiskey from a native plant, and then they became just a they become drunks, for lack of a better word, and it led to violence, it led to all sorts of disease, and it led to a particular day where Alexander Smith, remember him? I told you about him a few minutes ago. It became a time when Alexander Smith was the only male on the whole island, an island full of women and kids. Wow, he was probably pulling his hair out wondering, now what, Lord, what do I do? But what was interesting, something so dramatic happened that changed his life and the life of all of those that were on the island with him. He made his way to the bounty and to the remains of the bounty there, and he found the Bible. And this Bible had been neglected, but Alexander Smith found the Bible, and he began to read it. And just by reading God's Word, it it changed his life. (laughs) Isn't that cool? And that's it right there. In fact, if you were to go to... The, that little, a little church that they erected on Pitcairn Island, you would see that Bible, the Bounty Bible. And for 20 years, Alexander Smith taught the people that were with him the, the precepts, the principles, the truth of God's Word. He taught them what it was like to live under the authority of God's Word. And then 20 years later, guess what happens? A ship from America came to that island, and the ship was called the Topaz. And here's what they discovered. They discovered an island full of people that were happy, and they happen to be Christians. And, and, and there was no violence going on. There was no mutiny whatsoever that was there. There was not even hardly any crime, no even disease. Why? Because people were living under the authority of the Bible. King David understood, kind of like what Alexander Smith was going to go through so many, many more years later. Alexander Smith discovered that there can be peace when you live your life in submission to the Bible. And that's what King David writes about here in Psalms chapter 29. So if you don't have your Bibles open like I don't, let's turn to Psalms chapter 29 and let's read this Psalm of David because what David does as the Holy Spirit is just speaking into his heart, speaking into his mind, as he's pinning these words, as he's writing these words for us even today, he talks about how God can give you peace. And I think in Carson's prayer that he prayed a few minutes ago, we're, we've had a year of uh, not, not any peace, right? We serve a God that can give it. So let's look at Psalms chapter 29, and here's what the Bible says. This is the Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people and may the Lord bless his people with what, church? Peace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving your people peace. And Lord, as we think about what you want to say to us this morning, 
Lord, I pray that you will speak to every person here. They are precious in your sight. And Lord, would we just hear from your voice today? May we hear from your word so that we might experience your peace today and in the days ahead. And for that, we say thank you, and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor that's due your precious name. We pray in Jesus' name, and if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Amen. Hey, I love when y'all respond to me that way. Amen and amen. This is, this is a well-known psalm of David, but it's probably not the most famous psalm of David, but this psalm is unique. In fact, there's no other psalm like this particular psalm. This psalm consists entirely of praise to God. Most other psalms uh, begin with praise, and then they tell us, hey, by the way, you need to be praising God, or they begin with praise, and then they call on us to be obedient because of the praise uh, that because of how we should be thankful and praising God for who he is and for what he's done in, our life, done in our life, therefore we need to be obedient. But what makes this psalm so different is that from beginning, in the middle, and even at the end, it's all about praise. And then David ends it by saying this, may the Lord bless his people with peace. And that word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. You probably have heard that word, right? Shalom. Say it with me. Shalom. Just, just even saying that word kind of gives you peace. And that, what that word means is completeness. It means wholeness. It means a well-being. So when you say we have shalom, you're saying we have God's peace. And basically it means that no matter what might be going on outside of you, what's inside of you is that peace. Why? Because you have the peace of God. You have the shalom of God. So as we look at this psalm, there's some, there's some things I want us to share. There's some things I want to show you, some reasons basically why we should give God thanks because he gives us peace. And first of all, he gives us peace through his name, and his name is holy. Our Lord has a holy name. The Bible shows us that God's very name blesses us with peace because his name is holy. Now, if your Bibles are still open, and I hope they are, look at the first two verses of Psalms 29, because here David's doing something that I don't think I would ever be brave enough to do. But here in the first two verses, this is what David says. He says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So David is calling upon the angels, the heavenly host of heaven. He's telling angels, hey, you ascribe to the Lord glory. And that word ascribe basically means you give credit to. You give credit to God for his holiness. You give credit to God for his splendor. His name is worthy and he gives you peace and he's telling angels to do that. Now, let me just tell you this. I don't think I've ever come to a place in my life where I thought I could say, hey, angels, let me tell you what you ought to be doing. If y'all had an angel appear to you, you think you can be that bold? I don't think I can ever be that bold. Even with some people were standing before me, I don't think I could be that bold. But that's what David says to angels. He tells these heavenly hosts, these angelic beings, hey, you worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Why does he do that? I've got an idea as to why he's doing that. Maybe you'll agree. Maybe he's saying, hey, angels, you ascribe to the Lord glory. You give him your, you you, you give God what he is worthy of because in, in my humanity, I can't thank him enough. I can't praise him enough. I can't worship him enough. Would you kind of agree with that? You know, because Lord, angels, we need you to praise God on our behalf because my praise just isn't adequate enough to express how worthy and wonderful and awesome and powerful our Lord God is. Our praise just isn't enough. So it's as if David is saying, 
I need you to do something for me. I need you to praise God on my behalf. So David says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, glory and strength. And then ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I love that song. I love that verse. That name of the Lord, you see it here in Psalms 29. It's all caps and it appears 18 times. And it's the covenant name Yahweh. So when the Bible gives us the name of the Lord and says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, it, it, it does it for one particular reason. The name of the Lord, yeah, it's a strong tower, but it encapsulates everything about him, everything about his character, everything about the glory and the awesomeness of our Lord is right there found in his name. It communicates his name, his character. That's why the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the third commandment, do not take the name of the Lord your God in what? In vain, yeah. So if you look at these verses, the Bible reminds us about God's character and how there are some things that are kind of tied into the character of God that we see in his name. And, and, and they're right here in Scripture. The Bible says, ascribe to the, war, the Lord glory. And that word glory is a Hebrew word. Can I teach you a Hebrew word today? The, the name of the Lord, where we see ascribe to the Lord glory, is the, is the Hebrew word kabod. So say that with me, kabod. So y'all have already spoken two Hebrew words today, shalom and kabod, right? So we're, we're, we're teaching this up here, right? Okay, all right, just making sure y'all with me. I was telling somebody recently, I can't get a read on people. They're wearing, some people are wearing masks. I can't tell if you're smiling or frowning or what, but yeah, kabod, it's the glory of God. And it means heaviness. Y'all know when some people, y'all ever heard the phrase, he carries a big stick? Well, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. But then you get this as well. There's some people that when they speak, we listen, right? It's kind of like that E.F. Hutton commercial from years ago. When they speak, we just listen. That's what this word means. The, the, the word, the glory of the Lord, his glory is, is heavy. It carries some weight. There's some gravity there. And David says, ascribe to the Lord glory. I mean, think about this. When you come, when I come before the king of glory, in corporate worship or in private worship. We're not just coming up upon someone that's just like us. He's more than us. And we're to ascribe to him glory, kabod. Then the Bible says, ascribe to the Lord strength, and that word strength means power. You know, we serve a God who is, who's, who's, who's so powerful. He's, he's the almighty God, and he's, because of his power, he's able to move and to act in the lives of people and nations and, and, and countries. And then the Bible says to Worship the Lord in splendor. And that word splendor is, is a word that means beautiful. Now, here's what's interesting. All of these names that characterize God in the original languages, they're all masculine in nature, except for this one. This one's feminine in the original language because there's a beauty about God. There's a splendor about God. So our God's name is glorious. Our God's name is strong. He is beautiful. And then the Bible says that his name is holy. And that word holiness means that there's something completely different about God than anything else. God is not like us. He is not like our name. He is holy. He is glorious. He is strong. He is beautiful. He is holy. And because his name encapsulates all of those things, his name gives us peace. me that's what peace is I can just be at peace now listen the, the, the same God who gives us peace the same God who 
whose name is strong, the same God whose name is powerful, the same almighty God that we're here today worshiping knows your name. Have you thought about that lately? I mean, the same God, the creator of the universe, knows Steve's name. He knows my nickname. Y'all, do y'all know what my nickname is? Hot Rod. I'm joking, okay? I'm joking. I tried to get that name to stick in first grade. It never stuck. I just never could figure that out. Uh, he, he knows your nickname. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad some of y'all are, are laughing. That lets me know y'all are awake. He knows, your, he knows your middle name. And I'm pretty sure my Lord Jesus has the same question of my parents that I have when it comes to my middle name. Why? <laughs> why? Leland, why? But, but anyway, he knows your middle name. He knows your nickname. He knows every single thing about you. And his name gives us peace. I heard about a little four-year-old boy whose name was Jonathan. And Jonathan's being raised by Christian parents. His parents had him in church all the time. And, and part of the tradition of, of this family's church was that they would often recite the Lord's Prayer. So he was hearing everybody recite the Lord's Prayer just about every Sunday. And one Sunday, his parents heard his voice as they recited the Lord's Prayer. Here's what he said. Our Father who art in heaven, I know you know my name. Did he get it right or wrong? I think he got it right. I know you know my name. And the name of the Lord gives us peace. His is a holy name. His is a saving name. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, there's no other name given by men by which you can be saved. The name of Jesus is a saving name. That's why his name gives us peace. And then the name of Jesus gives us safety. The Bible says in Proverbs, another one of my favorite books, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and they are safe. So whenever you experience another year like 2020 (laughs) or whenever you experience times in your life when you feel like it can't get any worse than this, know that you serve a God that loves you. He knows everything about you and he gives you peace, right? But not only does he give us peace, but he gives us something else. We can, we can thank him for giving us peace because of his voice. And the voice of God is majestic. And when God speaks, he gets our attention because he's God, but he gives us peace even in the midst of his voice. Look, look at verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. So what David's describing here is he is describing a storm like no storm. So y'all ever been through a storm that you just can't get out of your mind? I have. And this is a storm that David is describing for us. And it's a terrible storm that, that he's describing that comes upon the land of Israel. It starts off in the Mediterranean Sea. So, so put the Bible map you have in the back of your Bibles, either open or put it, in the, put it in your mind. Open that page up in your mind. You got the Mediterranean Sea, and he's describing how this storm started way up in the Mediterranean Sea in the north. It comes down from Lebanon, just going along the coast there, through the cedar trees there that make up the land of Lebanon, over the mountains of Israel, and down into the desert of Israel it goes. And David is describing that storm in these verses. And he uses a phrase over and over again, and it's the phrase, the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord here is a phrase that he uses to characterize the thunder of the storm. The voice of God is thunderous in the storm. It's fierce, and this storm can be destructive. So a storm like this, a storm like you've experienced, might strike fear in someone's heart. And yet in the midst of this terrible storm that David's describing for us here in Psalms 29, as he's describing the storm to us, it's not the destruction of the storm that has his attention, but it's the voice of God in the storm 
that has his attention. So, hey, hey, here's the thought. Next time we go through a storm, like this year or some other storm, may we not be focused upon the storm, but upon the voice of God that leads us through the storm. Y'all with me? All right. So David's just not focused upon that. And, and you, we see this storm gathering. Let me just, let me be like a weather channel weatherman. All right? We see the storm gathering. Am I doing that good? We see the storm gathering here in verses three and four. The voice of the Lord moves over the water. Y'all see that? The voice of the Lord is moving over the water. The voice of the Lord is powerful and full of majesty. Then verse five, the Bible describes what happens when the storm comes ashore in Lebanon. The, it says the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. So as that storm touches ground, it starts out in Lebanon where there is these great, huge cedar trees. And yet the voice of the Lord is so powerful in the storm, it snaps them like they were twigs. The voice of the Lord, I remind you, is powerful. Then verse 5, the Bible says he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. So David is basically as much as he humanly possibly can. He's describing to us today what it looked like in the storm. It's as if the mountains were and the land was just moving to and fro. I don't know if it was an earthquake or what, but it was just the land was responding to this awesome and terrible storm here that moved through the land. He talks about Syria here in the text, which is another name for Mount Hermon in Israel. And David says that that mountain began to shake at the voice of God. Now, let me just tell you this. David didn't know anything about the Weather Channel, right? He didn't have Doppler radar back then. He didn't know anything about the weather the way we do today. He didn't have spaghetti models like they talk about on the Weather Channel. Can I tell you something? David didn't even have spaghetti for that matter. He didn't have any of that stuff, but yet he's describing for us in as much detail as he can about this storm that's coming. And in the midst of this terrible, terrible storm, David hears the voice of God. And you can probably get up here and share a testimony about how storms you've been in in your life, no matter how hard they were and how hard they were in your family, you heard the voice of God. It's a shame, isn't it, that sometimes we have to go through storms to, to make time to hear a voice from the Lord. But David's saying even in the midst of the storm, he hears the voice of God. Then the Bible describes what happens as the storm just goes through the land. And you can look at it with me in verses 7 and 8. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. What looks like a flash of fire? It's lightning is what he's talking about here. Then the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Then the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. That's the Hebrew word kabod that you learned this morning. So then after David sees this fierceness of the storm, David could only do one thing and one thing only. That's to cry out to God. Glory. (laughs) He's an all-powerful God. Now, hey, here's the good news. So if somebody's falling asleep beside you, wake them up, all right? Pinch them in the name of Jesus, but don't pinch them real hard. But here's the good word. The one who moves in your storms, all right? The one who moves in your storms can give you peace in the midst of your storm. And that's Jesus. No matter how hard the storm is that you're going through, Jesus can give you peace in the midst of that storm. Are storms destructive? You better believe it. Can can they be fierce? Absolutely. But God can use storms in your life to get your attention. When Hurricane Charlie came through Florida several years ago, it really devastated Orlando. And if you've been to Orlando lately, there's always road construction going on. Always road construction going on. And there's a lot of billboards. Just about every billboard came down except for this one. (laughs) Huh. You wonder. (laughs) You wonder if God's trying to get somebody's attention. (laughs) Because oftentimes, 
is not to we're on our knees in a storm that we hear God speak to us. Let's not wait for another 2020. Let's not wait for another storm for God to really get our attention. Let's give our attention to him now. But let me move on. Another reason we ought to be thanking God for his peace is because of his throne, and the throne of our God is eternal. (laughs) I mean, David talks about God's name. He talks about his voice. Now he's talking about his throne, and he says in verse 10 that the Lord sits in throne. That means as he's sitting in throne, he is ruling and he is reigning and he sits on the throne over the flood. And you're probably thinking, what flood are we talking about here? Well, you're exactly right. The flood, all right? Capital T, the flood. And whenever you talk about the flood in scripture, it's always the flood, right? The flood of Noah's days. If we read about it in Genesis 6 through 11, that's the flood he's talking about here. Every time the word flood is used in scripture, it's talking about the flood during the days of Noah. And y'all remember that. When God judged the whole wide world, not just a particular region, but the whole wide world was affected by this flood. And even when God opened up the floodgates of heaven and he opened up the springs of the earth here, hey, do y'all know that if, if I've got my science right, and I think I do, I hadn't checked it in a while, but I think I'm right with this, that there's, there's enough water on the face of our earth to cover all the land, land masses. God just holds it back. So, so do I believe in a, in a whole worldwide flood? Absolutely. Because of science? No, because of my faith in scripture. All right. So, so there again, the Bible, even during the flood, was sitting over or sitting on his throne, even over the flood. So, so that word sits in the original language. Note this is past tense. So you can, you can really read the verse of scripture this way. This is kind of neat. The Lord sat enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. You say, well, why do you find that verse kind of neat, Pastor Rod? Well, here's why. He's sitting on his throne, right? He sits on his throne then. He is sitting on his throne now. God's going to be sitting on his throne forever. Yeah. And I can promise you that there is no circumstance that will ever come in your life or in the life of this planet here that would ever get God off his throne. He rules. He reigns. And because his throne is eternal, he can give you peace. So since he is a God that wants to give us peace, what do you think? How how can we respond to him? Let me give you some practical ways we can respond to him giving us peace. First of all, because his name is holy, we can say, Lord, because you are holy, because your very name is holy, I want to live a pure, I want to live a holy life. You know, the Bible tells us on more than one occasion, be holy for I am holy. So it makes sense that our response to God for him giving us peace is that I want to live a a life of, of holiness. And perhaps you're here today and there's some sin in your life and, and you're thinking, man, Lord, I need to get, come and get right with you. I need to give the sin that's besetting me over to you because I want peace. And God will give you that peace. But you'll never have peace until you get the holiness issue right in your life. Another way you can respond is this way. Because his voice is majestic, I'm going to listen to him daily. <laughs> daily, I'm going to sit at his feet and just listen to him. Don't wait for the storm to come. You go ahead and beat the storm to your life and you seek God daily and seek his face daily and begin listening to him now. Get in his word. Talk to him through prayer. When you hear his voice, he gives you peace. So don't wait for the storms to come. Go ahead and start listening to him now and and carving out time of your day to listen to him. And then another way you can respond is this. Because his throne is eternal, circumstances aren't going to steal my peace. 
And you may be sitting here today that your neighbors in front of you or behind you or beside you has no idea what you're going through. And you might be going through something terrible. Those of you listening to us today might be going through something awful and and nobody knows what you're going through because we're kind of isolated right now. So who knows what somebody around you or that you work with might be going through. And it could be something serious. And I don't want to downplay whatever it is that might be serious that you're going through in your life. But I can promise you this, when you look to the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) no matter what your circumstances are, he's going to give you peace. Y'all with me? Say amen if you are. All right, all right. So, so bottom line, don't allow your circumstances to steal and to rob you of your peace. The Bible says in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he will keep you in perfect peace, the person whose mind is, is stayed upon him. I heard about a man that, I, that liked routine. I like routine. Kind of makes for me, Bill, I'm kind of boring, I guess, because of that, but, but I like routine. I'm not in a routine a lot. It gets interrupted, but I really like routine. And, uh, but not, not like this guy, because this guy would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's when you want to say, what in the world's wrong with you? But anyway, he gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and when he gets up that early, his routine is to go get his cup of coffee that's already been brewed. I like that. But then he goes outside, and he, and he gets his newspaper. He doesn't have a Fido to bring him the newspaper, but he goes outside and gets his own newspaper. He comes back to his favorite chair. He's got his coffee, and he reads the newspaper. That was his routine every, just about every day. And one morning, his routine was broken up by his little girl. <laughs> she was seven years old, and she comes downstairs a little after five. I mean, her daddy hadn't hardly drank any coffee yet. Hadn't even cracked open the sports page, you know, first. And she says, Daddy, I can't sleep. Can any of y'all identify with that? I can't, I can't sleep. And he thought, great time of day. I I can't believe, you know, she's asking me this. She needs to be in bed, but yet here she is. And they just messed up his whole routine. All right. But but then he thought, ha ha, this is what I'll do. So, so this is what he did. Let me see if I can find something. Where where am I going? Can I, can I tear this up, Trey? I'm going to tear it up. All right. So here's what he did. He he thought, man, this is smart. He, He took out a, a, a page of the paper, all right? So he just takes out a page of his newspaper, does something like that, right? Don't hate me, Danielle, for doing that because I know she puts them together. So he, t- he takes off a, page, a, a piece of his newspaper and it had a picture of the world on it, all the continents and the stuff like that. And, and then he does like this. Y'all with me? You got to come to church today and saw your preacher tear paper like this. Blesses your heart, doesn't it? So he does that and then he says, here, honey, See if you can go put the world back together. And by the way, here's some masking tape. And, and, and just go sit at the kitchen table over here and do this. And, and let's, let's see how long it takes you to put that back together. And he's going, boy, am I the daddy today. I'm so smart. I'm so smart. Then he starts to read the newspaper. He starts to drink his coffee a little bit. He hadn't even got a refill yet. And she says, hey, daddy, I'm finished. <laughs> oh, don't you love it when a plan like that fails? <laughs> Unless it was you. And, and this little girl comes up and says, Daddy, I'm finished. And he's like, how in the world did you get it done that fast? I mean, you're seven. You don't know where all the continents are. How did, how did you do this? And she took that sheet of paper that was, that was all taped up. And she's like, oh, yeah, there's a picture of the world here. But on the other page was this man's face. And if you put the face of the man right, you get the world right. I say that to say this. <laughs> Your world will be right, no matter what you might be going through, no matter who might be in the White House, 
No matter if there's another pandemic in 2021, Lord, I hope not, right? But our world will be right if we get the man right. You with me? Our world will be right. Your world will be right if you get your man right. And that man is Jesus. No matter what your situation, when you get him right in your life, and he takes preeminence in your life, your world will be right. And that's the good news. The good news is that we serve a heavenly father <laughs> that wants your life to be right so that out of forgiveness of sins that he gives you, out of the gift of eternal life that he gives you, he also wants to give you peace. And for that, we're thankful. Let me ask you to bow your head, every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> Lord, um, thank you for being a God that wants to give your people peace. And Lord, not only do you want to give us peace, you want to give, you want to give the world peace and you give the world peace through your son. So Lord, thank, thank you for caring so much about us, even when we're unthankful. Thankful, Lord, or Lord, we, we say thank you for, for knowing our names and knowing everything about us. Thank you for knowing the storms that we face in our lives. Father, thank you for knowing even the fear that we go through in our lives. And Lord, how thankful we are to know that in every circumstance and because of your wonderful name, your majestic name, Lord, you rule on your throne. You have, you are, and you will be forever upon your throne. And because you're in charge, ultimately, we can have peace. So Lord Jesus, I pray for families here today that more than anything else need your peace in their life. I pray for those that are torn up on the inside. Maybe they got something going on that nobody knows about but you and you alone. Lord, would you give them peace? It may be a health situation. It may be something going on at work. They just may be torn up on the inside. For one reason or another, Lord, we cry out to you today, give them your peace. And then, Jesus, we praise you today that you died on the cross so that through you we might know ultimate peace that can only be found in you and through your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for peace that Jesus gives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me ask you to stand to your feet and we're gonna sing one last song and as we sing this one last song, uh, if, there's, if God has spoken to your heart and you feel like you need to respond publicly, this is when you do it. So we just wanna 